My under boobs are sweaty. Yeah, he put he punches him in the face, and he gets up. He's like, "I'm all right." Ever since I was a little girl, and he was the voice of the hot one in Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> yes, I love it. I definitely quick kissed Chloe, by the way. And I am so confused, so... <laughs> well, let me confuse you further, because... Okay. All right. All right, folks. Hi. Are you ready for the clicks and the flicks? Yes. Hi, I'm Melissa. <laughs> Hi, I'm Amiel. <laughs> and we love video games and movies, and we love talking about them. And we love talking about them to you, the listener. Uh-huh. How are you? Ooh. Ooh. Good, I it's hope. A- <laughs> Samari, I love it. <laughs> oh, stop, stop. <laughs> I only listened to that at that time. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is our uh, click and flick. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to make the flick noise, but we'll we'll work on that. We'll get it. Um Oh yeah, there you go. Can you hear it? Yeah, flick. I can I can hear you. Mm-hmm. Flick. Flick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh well, we're here to flick your click. Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I sense t-shirt ideas coming on. Because <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> I love t-shirts. Me too. So, yeah. <laughs> I wear the shit out of them. Um, Anyways, but, uh, we talk about movies and video games and we give them ratings. Based and completely the ratings, on our own opinions. Right. The ratings are basically don't have any value, in my opinion. <laughs> I put value in them, but I know it's not valued. They're val- they have value, but they are not valued by others. Correct. Yes. Just us. Just they have us. value to our lives, and that's what yes. we base it on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, and this-, this week we are starting with the the. Click, click. <laughs> this week's click is intense for me. I went down memory lane with this with this game. I tried to look up videos for this mm-hmm. game because to try mm-hmm. to get a what's it called? Like a, a feel, a vibe. Yep. A feel, mm-hmm. a vibe for the game. Mm-hmm. And I am so confused. So <laughs> Well, let me confuse you further because okay, I when I played this game, um, it was it was after shortly after launch, and it came out uh, January thirtieth, two thousand fifteen, and the game is called Life is Strange, and it's it just recently released its third episode in September, so it's kind of made some headway back up. Um, Square Enix actually published the game, which is a huge deal because Square Enix is so well known for their amazing games for the most part. 
Okay. And um, what other games it, have they come out with that Square Enix? Mm-hmm. Uh, Final Fantasy to be the main one. Um, uh-huh. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I think Kingdom Hearts is definitely one of them of Square Enix. I'm pretty sure. Um, but it kind of follows the Final Fantasy. Yeah, I think those are the same. Yeah, and there's there's many more, but but Square Enix puts out prime games, um, and the the creators of this game, which is like Don't Dot or something like that. Oh my god, I got it wrong, but it's it's something along those lines. They're important, I swear. Um, I can look it up really quick. What, what yeah, the- it's like Don't Dot. I would just type in Life is Strange and. I meant to have it written down to don't nod. Don't nod. Thank you. Don't, don't nod, nod is yeah. what it was. Yes. So they're the creators of the game. There was a lot of um okay. a lot of upbringing to this game too. There were a lot of like trials with a similar game prior. So th- it's got some meat behind it for sure. Um Fun fact is that the developers actually thought of changing one of the genders. There's two kind of protagonists of the game. Uh Uh-huh. And they wanted so badly to change one of their genders. But they kept them both female, which is really cool, I thought. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Yeah. So, anyway, it's it's an adventure, a graphic adventure, puzzle-solving, fetch quest kind of game. Um with also branching dialogue so very rpg like your your actions have consequences mm-hmm. and i love those games they're my favorite so you start off understanding that the protagonist is max caulfield um an 18 year old uh girl who's in an upcoming photography class at this prestigious high school called blackwell Blackwell Academy. And um and you also know that Chloe is a part of this story at some point. You just hear about her. Mm-hmm. And guess where it takes place? It takes place in the Pacific Northwest, Oregon. It's beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's in autumn, so it's mm, perfect. And so the yeah, the town is called Arcadia Bay. And the beginning of the game, it starts off with Max waking up in the forest near a cliff. It's just this vast cliff with a lighthouse on it. And it's stormy. It's gloomy. It's rainy. Yeah, there's a tornado in the background. It's like nightmarish. And um, it sounds like a dream. (laughs) It's so horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) No, tornadoes are like my worst fear. But um, uh, Max is kind of looking around, disoriented by it, and she's about to get squished by this lighthouse, and she wakes up immediately in her photography classroom, which it's late in the day, you can tell, and um, her teacher's talking about some contest that they have to enter a picture for, like a photograph. Mm -hmm. And um, as class ends, you... Go up, Max goes up to the teacher, Mr. Jefferson is his name, to talk to him about the contest. He's such a fucking prick, dude. He's (sighs) such an asshole. And 
I was so off put by his character. It was horrible because he pays attention to this like popular chick and he's all like buddy buddy with her. Ugh. Mm. So um, you get the vibe. <laughs> you get a nasty vibe from him and you're you know, you move on. You're like, all right, bye. I got to go. And um, as you're walking through school, you see a bunch of missing person posters and that missing person. Her name is Rachel Amber. Um. And, and she's, I mean, she plastered. was a student there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yep. And uh, so Max has she passes the missing person. She like takes note and then walks on, but she goes into the bathroom, and she sees this emperor butterfly. Thank you, Animal Crossing. But <laughs> it's it's a beautiful Gorgeous. blue butterfly, right? It's my favorite butterfly in the game. Oh my god! And um. <laughs> they are seriously so gorgeous they oh are gosh. and the models are perfect so when I saw mm-hmm. the butterfly um, the second go around when I was refreshing my memory I was super stoked but uh, <laughs> she sees an opportunity to take a picture of the butterfly and um, in the bathroom she kind of hides because she hears commotion coming through the door and this guy mm-hmm. just busts in and his name is Nathan Prescott. He's this preppy, white, rich child. <gasps> I call him a child. I don't know if he's under 18 or what, but he's <sighs> also kind of a prick as well. A and, mental um, child. Yeah. Yeah. Mentally. <laughs> yeah. And he he's kind of frantically looking through the bathroom. He doesn't see Max, luckily. And then some blue-haired badass walks into the bathroom. <laughs> blue-haired, like old, like really old, like no, no, she's she's definitely a student. <laughs> she's just got tattoos and she's wearing like grungy clothes and she's just like a Um, badass (laughs) someone who i don't know if i should mention that your father-in-law always called senior citizens blue haired no (laughs) it's always like the blue hairs are here or something like talking about like old people (laughs) so that's why i was like wait an old person (laughs) i did not know that and I'm calling him out for it. <laughs> That's amazing. That's why I was, I'm like, wait a minute, old people? Fair <laughs> assumption, yeah. Fair assumption. No, but she's she's one badass mofo. And um, so her and Nathan, the preppy white kid, have a squabble. They're, like, arguing about something. Um, kind of like a blackmail situation from her to him. He pulls out a gun and fucking shoots her. So luckily Max was there. She she holds out her hand as if to like save Chloe, right? You don't really know it's Chloe. Okay, you didn't hear that. <laughs> you just assume it's some some chick, right, that dies. But Max holds out her badass. hand. Yeah, blue-haired badass. Um and sh- Max reverses time. She pulls time all the way back to the beginning of her photography class. So, yeah, so you relive the whole situation again. And at the end, uh, when it comes time to change and alter the confrontation, Max saves this person from getting shot and calls Nathan out. So fast forwarding a little bit. um, 
after everything kind of happens in school, Max starts to leave and go to the parking lot where she meets Warren. And Warren is just this sweet, adoring friend of Max. He's like mm-hmm. the best friend, the best guy friend that's going to turn into like some kind of romantic. At least that's the vibe I got initially. Yeah, he's super sweet. And uh, so as they're walking together, Nathan approaches Max all of a sudden and like comes up to her and is really violent, like physically violent. She scratches him on the face to get him away. Is this in rewind time? No, no, this is in present time. She had already saved the girl from getting shot. So now she's pressing forward. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't be. That's confusing. I've as told hell you. I, I already told it. you I was confused from watching these videos. So <laughs> that's okay. So Max does have that power, but she uses it relatively sparingly. Um. Okay. So when Nathan approaches her and is violent with her, um, Chloe rounds the corner in her truck. This blue-haired badass, and she's like, Max, and like Max turns around. She's like, Chloe. And uh, basically saves her from Nathan. But little did we see that Warren just comes up from behind Nathan, like tackles him out of the way of the truck. So Chloe and Max can escape. He's a sweetheart and a superhero. I love Warren. Um, But uh, Max and Chloe were childhood friends. And Max had just come back to Arcadia to go to this prestigious high school. And uh, so as they're driving, um, Max also finds out that Chloe's, like, replacement best friend is Rachel Amber, the one that's missing. Mm. And the reason why all the missing posters are up is because of Chloe. Oh, and they got close after Max Mm. went off somewhere else. Right. Right. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So... Uh, Chloe and Max are heading to Chloe's house. Chloe's father died tragically in a car accident years prior. So she has a stepfather. And uh, when they enter the house, Max somehow finds some like super creepy photos and (laughs) videos. This gets bad. Photos and videos of girls in the school. Like surveillance camera. Not, Not anything like... Not that this excuses it, but she finds... Um. Yeah, just pictures and photos of girls. Where in whose? Um, in her stepfather's stash in I think his garage or something, or or sees it somewhere on on his phone or something. <laughs> some shit. Excuse Bless me. you. Thank you. I didn't write down that detail because because I was just trying to condense everything. But so she finds like it somewhere in their house. inappropriate photos of like. They're they're Young not girls. necessarily inappropriate, but like they're it's footage from surveillance cameras of like the girls walking from class to class kind of thing, mm, like spy angle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm. exactly. Mm. So obviously Max is like creeped out by it, and Chloe hates him anyway. So you know, she knows he's kind of a turd in that regard. Um, this is Max's but- stepdad. This is uh, Chloe. This is Chloe's stepdad. stepdad. Correct. Got it. Got Correct. it. Chloe's real dad who passed away in the car accident. Right. But then her mom's new husband is this guy who's doing these. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. Got it. Now. And, 
And um, yeah, you're helping clear up these videos I watched earlier. <laughs> I got to. Um, all the while they're in Chloe's bedroom, Max falls into another um, like dream state. She kind of goes into this like vision again. Same setting, same dreary, gloomy, stormy cliff by the lighthouse. Only this time she finds a newspaper that says October 11th, which is four days from from the date that she's in right now. Hmm. So she's like, what the fuck? And this newspaper. It's four days in the future. Yeah. For for her storyline currently. Yeah. And uh, it basically says this huge storm just takes out this town. Hence the tornado, the stormy, like, vision. So mm-hmm. I would love that first big tornado to come take out my... No. I would further die from an earthquake. <laughs> take us to Oz, yes. <laughs> oh. So from Chloe's bedroom, they end up taking off to a junkyard that is Chloe's kind of, like, hangout spot. Um, and Max is obviously tagging along. And Max is trying all this while to convince Chloe, like, I have these powers. I have these powers to reverse time. It's insane. It's wild. And uh, while they're in the junkyard, they are introduced to Frank, who is a drug dealer, and knows Chloe and says, hey, bitch, you owe me money. Mm -hmm. Like, he's that kind of vibe. Like, gross. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so once once that situation kind of changes, I think... I think at that point Frank tries to like shoot Chloe or something like that and then Max reverses time. It's a mess. But um lots of situations of Chloe dying. Lots and lots and lots of situations. And obviously it's to kind of like utilize the ability of Max being able to reverse time. Okay. Um and do you yeah. like as a player you're the one who's like going back in time and redoing everything? Yep. Okay. Okay. And if you do it wrong, did you, say, you have to do the scene over and over and over again. Did we mention what um console this was for? Already? No, we didn't. Um, but it was PS4, Xbox One, Mac, Windows. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Whole bunch. That's rad. They also just remastered it too, so that helps. Um but yeah, that just explaining that a lot of situations for Chloe go horribly wrong. Um, <laughs> there's it's a just bad luck kid. Yeah, dude, like her foot gets caught in a railroad and she almost dies by this train. And if you do it wrong, you have to witness it over and over and over again. And it's <sighs> horrible. Traumatic. It's horrible. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, uh, but. Anyway, oh once God. they get past the the deathly situations, um, Max finds herself going back to school and uh, witnessing a student commit suicide off one of the buildings. And when she witnesses that, she realizes, oh, I can pause time as well. So she pauses time, gets all the way to the rooftop where the girl was standing and prevents her from committing suicide. Fast forwarding a little bit. It cuts to Chloe and Max. And for some reason they want to get a little bit more information on Rachel Amber and why she's missing. So they sneak onto campus at night. 
And they find some creepy ass drawings that Nathan made. And of drew. course, I knew this guy from the beginning. I had a bad feeling about him. Just saying. He's a horrible person. And he, he made these drawings of Rachel tied up, bound in a dark room. And Chloe is like drawing, flipping out. Drawings? He drew them or they're pictures, pictures. Oh, okay. He was wow. drawings, yeah. Yikes. Um Because if they were pictures, Max could have. That's that's in a little bit, but yeah. Uh, okay. You see where okay. I'm getting with it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but once they find that, Chloe's pretty messed up about it. Um they they do this cute little scene with Max and Chloe and they're like swimming in their underwear, like in the in the school like pool. And they're it's just mm. a really sweet bonding moment between them. Um, but you're getting like mad like relationship vibes, like obviously Chloe wants something more than just mm. a friendship with Max. And um so they end up going back to Chloe's place after that and they crash, they sleep. And when they wake up, Chloe dares Max to kiss her. And you have a choice. You can make a choice to not kiss her or to kiss her. Um, I don't remember what butterfly effect that causes, like the repercussions of it, but that happens. And that happens. Um, <laughs> and so they they end up getting a few leads about Rachel, about the missing girl. That she okay. was dating Frank, the drug dealer from the junkyard. And hmm. so they go to Frank's trailer. They do some finagling and they get into Frank's trailer. Is Frank like a high schooler too? Or he's obviously No, like he's, I think he's like, he's probably in his late 20s, early hmm. 30s. Mm -hmm. At least that's my assumption. And so once they Sounds rummage through Frank's what sounds about right right that he'd be dating that. like a high schooler yeah dingy gross not cool and so they they were rummaging through frank's trailer and they found pictures of frank and rachel together because apparently they were a thing and they were dating obviously so uh max ends up taking one of the pictures to it's part of the game, you know, the photography thing and her her power is kind of important. Okay, so. got it, got it, got it, got mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So uh, after they find the pictures of Rachel and Frank, Chloe gets continuously upset. She's getting more and more upset at this point. So Chloe goes home and Max has the picture and she's staring at the picture. I think it's of Chloe and Rachel at this point that she's staring at and she starts to hear voices and Max is like, what the fuck takes another look? And she focuses on it. And then she gets transported back to that time, that picture in time oh. she's transported oh. back to. Yeah. So mm -hmm. pictures are super important for her power. Um, and when she travels back in time, that takes her to Chloe's house before her dad gets in the car and gets in an accident. And Max thinks it's a good idea to stop her her best friend's father from getting into his car and getting in that accident, so she hides his keys. 
Mm-hmm. And he never gets in the accident. And then when um, when Max returns to present time, so she had traveled back in time and is now back in present time now. She wakes up from that from the past and is like looking around. She's in the schoolyard, but hanging out with a bunch of popular kids. Like she doesn't. She never hung out with these people, but now she's sitting eating mm-hmm. lunch with them, and she's tripping over it. And so she's like, "Well, I need to go find out what happens." And she goes, <laughs> she goes down to the like. She's passing through town. She sees the beach, and there's a bunch of beached whales. Like horrible Armageddon oh bullshit gosh, that's happening. Sad. I know. I fucking hate it when that shit happens. There's beach and- whales because her friend's dad didn't die in a car accident. <laughs> this seems like a big leap. Right? <laughs> I'm so messed up from this game. It's horrid. But she's trying to get to Chloe's house to see how changing the past had affected the family. Her. Yeah. yeah. And so she gets to the front door of Chloe's house. Her dad answers the door. So obviously that's a good thing. But okay, then so you're like, yeah, you're like, everything should be okay. But then Chloe rolls up in her not blue hair, in her long orange hair, in a wheelchair, in a trach tube, in a blanket. And like. <laughs> It's horrendous. And then the scene that follows is basically Chloe's like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Her parents are in crippling debt because of this. Come to find out she got in an accident and paralyzed like most of her body. And it was horrible. She's like, Max, can you give me some morphine and kill me? Like, give me a lethal dose. And Max is like, what the fuck, dude? So... Max realizes what happened. That sucks. Max, yeah. Max goes back in time, doesn't hide Chloe's dad's keys, so he ends up getting in the accident again. And then Max returns back to the present, and she's in Chloe's room this time. Um, she wakes up. Everything seems relatively normal. She hugs Chloe, and they press on through the story. So, uh, super, like, super traumatic little chunk of the story. And then, um, the two of them find Nathan's phone. I believe they went to a school dance, like, party. And they find Nathan's phone. And they find sus farm pictures. Like, pictures of a barn. And they're like, what is this, Nathan? Like, why the fuck Mm. do you have this? And they go to the farm where they know it is. And they find an underground bunker with creeper photography setups. Like, clearly somebody's filming shit and doing horrible things in this bunker. And as they're rummaging through this little bunker, they find red binders with girls' names on them. They pull out three binders. One binder is empty. The other two have incriminating photos of the girls bound and tied and just uh, horrid. And then one picture sticks out of Rachel's body dead in the junkyard that Chloe goes to and hangs out. So I'm getting like choked up, like talking about this. 
So yeah. Chloe goes, um, Chloe and Max go to the junkyard to where they know that spot is and they start digging and looking for Rachel's body and they find it. And um, so, you know what? Yeah, this is where they go to the, the party at the school because Max sees Warren and her and Warren take a picture together. Um, cause Warren's drunk and having a good time and, uh, and typical Warren, right? Warren just being Warren. He's so cute. Um, <laughs> but, uh, then Chloe gets a text from Nathan saying there won't be evidence left of Rachel's body at all when I'm done with her. So then they run back to the location in the junkyard, see that Rachel's body is still there. So they kind of like look at each other like, is everything okay? And then Max gets drugged. She gets shot in the neck with something. Like falls limp, but she's still awake. <laughs> like a freaking dart? Yeah, well, like, like, a, like a syringe. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then Chloe gets shot. And Max sees Chloe get shot. And she's dead. Oh, wow. She's dead. And uh, so... Max is like flipping over Chloe. She looks over. It's fucking Mr. Jefferson standing over their bodies. And you're like, Chloe's I fucking dad? knew it. Chloe's no, Mr. Jefferson dad? is the photography teacher. The fucking creep oh. from the school. Oh. Mm -hmm. Oh. But. No, 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 no. They do a great job at throwing you off the scent of the teacher by free by paying attention to Chloe's stepfather, one hundred percent. Um. So yeah, it's it's a whole nasty thing. And Max wakes up; she's bound to a chair in the creepy dungeon, the farm dungeon. And Jefferson's saying some manipulative shit. And Jefferson throws Max. Max had a journal with her with all the pictures in them. And he throws the journal at her feet and she sees one of the pictures that she took in uh, photography class, actually. Mm -hmm. So she focuses in on it and then travels back in time to photography class. And knowing that, knowing what she knows now of Mr. Jefferson, she approaches him now and is like, here's my picture for the, the um, for the contest. And then exposes Mr. Jefferson. I forgot who she talks to to, yeah, to uh, to expose him. But basically, he gets arrested, gets fucked up, and then she wins the contest from the photo she gave him. And then the story progresses to where it cuts forward to it's her weird to win a contest on someone else's tragedy, right? <laughs> I'd say so. Um, but that's just a video game. <laughs> <laughs> the photo, I think the photo that she submitted was her looking at um, some rows of undeveloped pictures or something. I think that's what it was. That's what she had submitted. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the, the story flashes forward to her being in L.A. at the um, at the gallery where her photos being displayed and um, and Max gets a nosebleed. So every time she rewound time and like paused time, she would get an occasional nosebleed 
But this time when she was in L.A., she got a nosebleed and then she got caught in another vision, um, that dreamlike state of the gloomy cliff. And she calls Mm. Chloe and is like, what the fuck's going on? And she's like, it's true. A tornado is hitting Arcadia. And so Max being the smart cookie she is, she goes over to her photo in the gallery, focuses in on it and then travels back in time again. But this time she didn't go back to her class. She went back to the creep dungeon where Jefferson had burned the journal. He apparently learned and burned the journal so she couldn't look at it and use the photo anymore. Interesting. But then, yeah, but then just as he's like about to sedate her again, guess who the fuck comes in this picture? It's fucking Chloe's stepdad. (laughs) And he comes in and fucking murders Mr. Jefferson. These are my teenage girls to look at. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know what his, I don't know what his fucking relation to Mr. Jefferson was. There's probably something in the story that I skipped over, but it's probably important, but whatever. Um... (laughs) But anyway, he he attacks Mr. Jefferson and she's able to get up and leave. But she can tell that I forget his name. Chloe's stepdad, I forget his name. Um, mm-hmm. she can tell that Chloe's still dead in this in this present time that she's in right now, the one where Jefferson gets beat up. So mm-hmm. um yeah. It's weird. And so Max then calls Warren while she's in her car driving to um to the diner that's on the beach that they frequented it a lot. And she calls Warren asking for a photo of her and Warren that they took that night at the party when Warren was drunk. And Warren's like, yeah, I have it, but I'm stuck at a diner where it's absolute chaos and destruction. Because of the weather and the tornado. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she gets a voicemail from Nathan, the the preppy white kid. And it's very daunting. He's like, hey, Mr. Jefferson's out to get me. Uh, and he's coming after you. I'm so sorry for everything I've done. And I was like, I don't know if their intention was to make him seem like a good guy at this point or that he was like trying to be forgiven for what he had done or if it was a play of like this kid has some issues like genuine issues Mm -hmm. and and he genuinely thinks that like yeah he did stuff wrong but is he really gonna like change you know what i mean i I got so what exactly did nathan was he like working with mr jefferson yeah he was doing some work for him which is why nathan had those pictures of that barn on his phone right right yeah Yeah, he was he was like his underwriter if you will Mm -hmm. that's so crazy to trust a high school kid to like help you right till high school kids yeah and do so horrible, despicable shit to them. Um, but uh, after she gets that voicemail, uh, she just keeps driving and she dismisses it, in my opinion. 
She gets to the diner. Like I said, it's pure destruction. Um, she looks at the photo from that Warren gives her. And she's brought back in time to where Chloe, um, to where her and Chloe talk about forgetting the search. Like, hey, let's not <laughs> go looking for Rachel. But in fact, let's go to the lighthouse instead. And I'm like, but they're, they're doing it because of the chain of events that have happened. That's mm-hmm. why. Because um, she's trying to save Chloe, too. Right. Um, and as mm. they're crawling and crawling, as they're walking up to the lighthouse on the cliff, Max passes out again. And she goes into another dream sequence or vision, if you will, of the same place. Um but uh, but she's kind of, like, reliving a lot of, like, what had happened up until now. So, like, her being in the classroom. But, like, there's a bunch of dead, bloody pigeons hitting the, the window of the class. Oh, it's it's horrendous. It's a, it's a wild ride of dream sequences. But it's intense. Um, wow. Yeah. And when she wakes up, the tornado's about to hit Arcadia. Max says the tornado is her fault. It's a butterfly effect. Everything I've done with my power has caused this. Everything. And Chloe's like, it's Arcadia Bay. They don't deserve to die and go out this way. Um, And she hands Max the picture of the Emperor Butterfly and says, you need to save Arcadia Bay, basically. And so you're given an option at the end of the game to choose to save Chloe or to choose to save Arcadia Bay from the tornado. And that's how the game ends. Now, I'm curious. I'm really curious. Knowing knowing what you know about the game now, who, who or what would you save? Because I'm going to give you the storyline of whichever one you choose. Unless you've seen it, but... No, no, I haven't seen it. Okay, okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> I know, it's like, what the fuck do I choose? Can I choose to, um, kill Opt out? <laughs> Arcadia Bay and leave Chloe in town? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just do the ripple effect, like, <laughs> bye. Just- Wipe them all out at once and then <laughs> run away to the mountains. <laughs> Seriously, dude, that was my option. Um, you don't have to if choose. If I was, I was the best friend in that situation, I would choose then. Huh. That's odd. That's hard. Because I know. I would never be. I want to say I would choose to save Chloe. Um. Because of, like, knowing Mr. Jefferson is in town and Nathan is in town and how, like... Yeah. <sighs> but... Nasty they all are. Yeah. <laughs> but that also would kill all the innocent people in town who... Right. They're the ones who are killing them, you know? <laughs> right. So it kind right. of defeats the purpose of killing the murderers if everyone they would murder is also going to die. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> <laughs> God so what happens what happens with either way? So if you save Chloe, you end up driving in her truck along the destruction path that is Arcadia now. <laughs> and there's <laughs> there's a lot of people just like, you know, picking up the pieces. And then if you save Arcadia, then 
you see it, it cuts back in time to Chloe's dead body on the bathroom floor. And mm. Nathan is freaking out because he had just shot her. And Max is in a fetal position, hidden in one of the stalls. And mm. then after that scene, you attend Chloe's funeral. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the game. I I do have to say, when I played it back in the day, it had a lot of meaning. It was, it felt, it felt, um, it felt like a good story at the time. And then mm. when I, when I rewatched it, when I kind of, like, delved back into it, I was like, and even talking about it now, I'm like, why? But... <laughs> But it is it is a good story. It's it's very engaging and it's it's a tragedy. Definitely. Drama, it's tragedy, it's it's horrible. And I mean, why would somebody want to tell a story like that? But at the same time, when you're playing it, it's mm-hmm. it gives you a way different sense. It's so much different than just telling it. It's weird. But I would give it right eight clicks out of ten because when I played it, I had a, I had a heart for the game for sure. Uh huh. A heart on. <laughs> a heart on. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely k- kissed Chloe. By the way. Just, <laughs> just let it up. I have to say, like, what is it about video game stories that are just fucking wild? Like, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> no. when you compare They're... video game stories to like movie stories, like the shit that happens in video games is like sometimes just off the wall, crazy, right. intense. Like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I I'm with you. <laughs> I would, based on how confused I was with this game. <laughs> <laughs> and with some of the videos that I saw listening to like some of the dialogue of the game mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. gonna say I would go with like a four okay that is totally fair <laughs> but that's because also I never played it when it came out so I have no nostalgic right. um, connection to it as well Right. and I was just confused and Fair. Um, upset for most of the plot. <laughs> Fair. Fair. It's upsetting. It's rough. Um, and it just, like, you're like, why though? This choice, why? Why? Yeah, why? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway. That's the let's, click. Uh, yeah, that is the click. Let's, let's do the flick because this is, I'm excited for this one. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> yes. The flick of today is the starling that came out on netflix this weekend uh the 24th the 24th of september yeah so as of us recording this last week (laughs) Mm -hmm. as of this coming out it was it's I don't know when this episode comes out, but it came out, <laughs> the movie came out the 24th of September. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie stars Melissa McCarthy 
friend of the podcast. <laughs> yes, we love her. Mm-hmm. And um, it stars her and Chris O'Dowd, who both, fun fact, were in Bridesmaids. Yes. <laughs> Which He's I also a fantastic actor. Yeah. The performances oh. in this movie were very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has Kevin Klein, who's just daddy ever since <laughs> uh, ever since I was a little girl and he was the voice of the hot one in Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a little crush on that little man. So, (laughs) I gotta look him up. I can't put a face. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. (laughs) There's just something about his voice. Like, he has a very, like, commanding voice that just makes me want to be bossed around. (laughs) Yes. Ooh, a sub. I love it. (laughs) Anyway, so this movie. (laughs) this movie starts out this movie is a dramedy is how i would describe it yeah it's very tragic but it does have notes of like comedic relief that feel very they feel almost like when you're in the middle of crying and then you're telling like you're telling someone something that you're that makes you sad and so you're like crying telling the story but then you make a little joke and you laugh at yourself through the tears like right that's how it felt like all of the jokes came out in the movie yeah so definitely. it was definitely like definitely a strange balance and i think that if you don't have that Love. kind of sense of humor where you, that's how you deal with tragedy. It might make this movie not as relatable um, and maybe not seem as realistic. Um, but it does deal with tragedy, I feel like, in a very human way. It starts mm-hmm. off with um, Jack and Lily, who they're the main couple, um, Melissa McCarthy and Chris O'Dowd. They are painting their baby's room, like the, a nursery for their little daughter. And you can tell that they're just both so in love and they're just both so excited for the future and so happy and just having such a great time. So they're painting their room and then we go through the credits and we see these birds flying through the air and it's really beautiful and time is going by as we as, um you kind of gather that time goes by through the credits and then we see Melissa McCarthy's character just kind of living day to day, but you can tell that she's just kind of getting through the day. Mm -hmm. She's like at work and just things aren't right. Um, We find out that right. She's just like out of it and, very disassociative, very disconnected mm-hmm. from the world around her, her coworkers and stuff. Her one of her coworkers, you know, the little um, he's like the little teenage boy coworker she works with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in The Righteous Gemstones on HBO, really? which is 
I'm just going to say really quickly, in my opinion, like the best TV show on HBO. So definitely go watch it. Oh, I would I definitely might. suggest it. I love that yeah. show. So when I saw him, I was like, oh, love that kid. <laughs> awesome. Um, but so Lily's leaving work early to go have visitation day with her husband, who we see is in like a psychiatric ward. He's been checked in. So this is the first clue that the writers kind of give us on how these characters are handling tragedy i think um because when i see that he's in a psychiatric ward and we're starting to gather these clues we're like okay something happened to the baby obviously there's no baby around they're not talking about a baby so something must have happened to them Mm -hmm. and now her husband the only reason someone would be institutionalized like that I think, or the most common reasons would be as if they tried to harm themselves or others. So those are the clues that we have that just based on that he's in there at all is that we know something got to the extreme where, and then if we can deduce what kind of character do we think he is where he's never, he isn't shown to be angry or violent at all. It's probably not harming others, you know what I mean, is the reason he's in there. So, um, anyway, sorry. So she's with her husband and she goes every week and her husband's therapist comes out and starts talking to her separately and is like, have you seen anybody? Have you looked for help at all? And she's like, no, I'm just like going through every day. And she gives her the name of a doctor that she used to work with. So... The doctor's name is Larry Fine, which is um, apparently was one of the Three Stooges' names. Um, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you have to be really old to know that, so (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) Larry and and Mo are the only ones I knew, but I didn't know that was his last name. I didn't know they had last names, honestly. Me either. Me either. (laughs) So, but they make, it's like supposedly a, oopsie doopsies, it's like supposedly a joke um, that his, the doctor's name is Dr. Larry Fine. And um, so she ends up going to see him and he turns out to be, he's like retired psychiatrist and now he went to veterinary school so now he's a vet because he'd rather work with animals it's all weird a little bit um but you know he's daddy so right (laughs) he can do what he wants i guess he plays it well (laughs) there are parts of this movie like as far as like mm, what's happening it's like that's kind of weird i guess if you think about it but the the delivery and the portrayals are all very real and very yeah. genuine. Um, so the parts that are, like, cheesy or over the top or, like, maybe wouldn't make sense <laughs> mm-hmm. are still um, – they still feel, like, in this world. You know what I mean? They're not, like, completely out of place. They're not, like – they don't pull you out of the story so horribly that you're, like – that's weird, you know. Right. They're just like a little bit weird. <laughs> like a psychiatrist becoming a vet. But anyway. 
Right. Um, so she's like, um, gonna give up on it. Not gonna see him because obviously he doesn't treat humans. But she goes home and there's this starling, which is um, a bird <laughs> that they basically mate with like one other bird and they have they make their own like nuclear families and their little bird nests and they need each other to rely on each other, blah, blah, blah. And it's all supposed to be symbolic of her and her spouse. Um, right. And they don't, they even, I think, say, like, oh, that's, like, that's spot on or something. Like, they pointed out that right. it's, like, like... Metaphorical. That it's supposed to be a symbolism. Yes. They basically, you. in the script, says, this is symbolism. <laughs> right. So, you know. <laughs> um, I loved it. But... So she basically then has to go on a journey of learning how to deal with this bird. And she's trying to fix her garden while this bird keeps, like, attacking her. Yeah. They keep, like, just going after her head, really. And it's kind of funny. Melissa McCarthy is such a good actress. And I think, like, when she does those, like, physical, um, like, oh, slapstick God, yes. routines, they're, she's, like, all in. It's really funny. Mm -hmm. Um so this bird going after her for just trying to clean up the garden and she gets, you know, in a rival with it and she gets really upset and she's dealing with a lot of emotions and basically has to keep everything together in every other part of her life. And this one thing is like crossing the line and she just can't handle it. And she goes like super violent against this bird she puts up like poison seed, ends up killing the one of them, and she so gets like really heartbroken over it. But um she just is so upset by it all. She climbs up to the nest to try to see to try to get the other bird and sees that there's like babies and they've taken socks from her baby clothes to help make right. the nest and so that's just like if there's one more like just driving the nail home the hitting the nail on the head to home base yes where <laughs> yes <laughs> um <laughs> Where, like, she's connecting that this bird nest is, like, representative of her family, too. And, like, um, her husband's journey is a little bit different where he couldn't handle it. He's, like, a school teacher and losing the baby made it so that he just totally lost it at school. Um, he couldn't really be around kids anymore because it just reminded him too much of, like, him not having his own anymore. Right. Um, and he – it shows that she did see him where he was trying to basically end it all in his car. Um, and that's how he got admitted. So we can see later on in the movie that it confirms, like, 
he wasn't he was struggling yeah and a lot of this movie it's it's kind of weird for me his character they focus heavily on this particular him dwelling on this particular situation um and he's very selfish he's very selfish to toward um like towards lily especially yeah. toward lily um yeah. where he just doesn't he just doesn't think about how she's having to deal with it yeah he's definitely taking it singularly rather than trying to yeah. combat it head on with her right it's like in his heart, his daughter died, not right. their daughter, you know, right. um, which is true. Like she was his daughter, but he's totally like cutting out Lily and totally like discrediting any involvement she has in the situation by doing that and any emotions that she has by doing that. She even that. says like, she's my daughter too. Like I lost mm -hmm. a daughter too. She was like, I carried her in me for nine months. Yeah. Like. <sighs> and, you know, I. And that I when she said that he. What makes me mad is that when she told him that she had to get rid of her stuff, he got mad at her and was like, leave. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <sighs> when he's the one who tried to leave her and left her alone with all that stuff to have to deal with and look at every day. Right. Ugh, I'm crying again just thinking. I know. About this movie. Just reliving it. This movie was so. It was very emotionally, like, heart pulling. Like, what's the word I'm trying to think? Like, heart triggering, pulls but emotionally yeah, pulls on your heartstrings. Yeah. It does it on purpose to, like, make you cry. Yeah. Like, it purpose. Like, it doesn't. Like, filmmakers know how to make you feel emotions. And they know mm -hmm. the tricks and the manipulations to do it. And this movie pulls plays every trick in the book. Like, it does yeah. every rule to make you cry. And so, you, I mean, if you're in the mood to be emotional, it's definitely a good pick to turn on. Mm -hmm. um, if you're in the mood to not cry and you're going to be mad if something makes you emotional. <laughs> don't watch this movie. This, don't watch this movie. Yeah. Um, but they <sighs> Okay, so wait, where was I now? I feel like I'm kind of jumping around a <laughs> little. Uh you had just explained the two of them um kind of combating it in different ways. Right, right. So they're combating it in different ways. And Jack, Chris O'Dowd's character, he ends up toward the end realizing and learning like this issue he's dealing with is not just from one tragic event, but he has been dealing with depression his whole life and not knowing how to handle it. And now this is what triggered him. Mm -hmm. um, he... <sighs> I was... Well, I don't know if I should go... If it's, like, important, if I should go back and go over details. You know what I mean? That I'm missing. <laughs> um... There's there are there are there are several things that help him like come to this conclusion I think and I think one of the biggest things is that 
at a certain point he is he's in his um room at the hospital and oh, yeah. he's gotten to a point where he tells his wife like I don't want or not he doesn't tell his wife but he tells the people that he doesn't want to see her anymore and so when she comes to visit they don't let her in and he watches her like have a breakdown uh like just go into a state of like frenzy in the parking lot yelling and saying how mad she is at him which is totally fair and I would probably do the same thing and maybe even worse if yeah <laughs> I was she in that him, situation she did not give him the verbal ass beating that she could should have i should say right um <laughs> and he so so there's a scene where he's in his room after all that happens where he has all of the bags of lunch that she's ever brought for him and he's never opened them but he opens them and sees that he she's been packing him i'm gonna cry oh my god i know i know (laughs) see there's no even like it's not even like a reason to cry it's just like they know how to they know how to get it out of you you know yeah yeah so he basically sees like that she's been packing him the same hostess cakes that his mom used to pack for him and lunch every day and it just shows like that she's always cared about him and she's never stopped like wanting him to get better and get over this and get back to her and get back to where they were you know Um, oh my god (laughs) i know sorry we have to cut this part where i'm crying (laughs) not a problem Oh my god. The snowballs killed me. The snowballs fucking killed me. I know. So, he basically he basically sees all of these Okay. Hmm. Okay. So he finds all of these like hostess cakes as he's going through his stuff because he was saving up his medication. And not taking it, and he was hiding it in his shoes so that he could take it all at once and try and OD again. Or, mm-hmm. not again, but try and OD. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he sees and notices all the hostess's cakes, he decides, he realizes that it's a bigger problem for him than just a insulated, in, insulated, wait, what's oh. it called? Not insulated incident. A isolated, isolated incident. Isolated. <laughs> An insulated incident. Yes. It's a bigger issue for him than this one isolated incident of his daughter, even though it is a tragedy. He realizes that he needs to get help beyond that and for himself in order to be there for his wife also. One scene that I like Mm -hmm. particularly is when Lily is getting rid of all the baby furniture and she moves the she she's like out of all the furniture out of the room and she sees the the indents in the carpet from where the crib was Mm -hmm. and starts like slowly having a very strong very emotional reaction and gets down immediately and starts like rubbing it out to get any trace out and she almost so close comes to like a breakdown and she gets it all out and then she lays and 
like stares at the ceiling and like breathes. And mm-hmm. what uh, I love so much about that scene that is not easy to do is showing her strength mm-hmm. at the same time as showing her breaking down mm-hmm. like she's break like she breaks down but she never like bursts out into tears and starts like loses control of it you know right. she has these intense emotional like volcanic almost waves of reaction and she has the strength to always pull it together and be where she's at and get through the moment that she's getting through you know and I just think that that is so incredible and that like choice is so important to show because not all I feel like it's so easy especially like when writing female characters to just let them cry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the fact that Melissa McCarthy doesn't really cry at all in this movie and she's like the pillar of strength just shows how strong women can be, I think, yeah. in a different sense than what we've been able to be portrayed in the past. And the role reversal in this movie, the role mm-hmm. reversal of what is the norm made it for me. I mm-hmm. like as, but I found myself wanting, cause you, you relate to the characters. I found myself wanting to be, to have the female in Jack's part, you know, it's, it's so weird. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like what you're saying it is absolutely refreshing to have her side of it be be on the opposite what is a very possible scenario and people mm-hmm. refuse to to show that side of society because yeah. it's not it's not typical i guess but anyway well i think it's not typically shown in movies we see yeah. like masculine figures as being right. figures of strength and feminine figures as being like the weak ones. Right. Um, but it's not a matter of weakness. It's a matter of circumstance. Um, <laughs> like, right. Honestly. Um, and I think that showing this is really important because I think a lot of times when there's a tragedy in the family, a lot of the burden gets placed on the matriarch mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then she is not appreciated or seen for all the work that sh- is done to keep it together and to Absolutely. keep the family together and to get through day by day, you know? Absolutely. Um, 100%. So by the end of the movie, they both learn to basically try and get through this tragedy together in 
a healthier way than how they both approached it to begin with. And we see them both going out into the garden to try and <laughs> get this their fruit shit. and vegetables <laughs> as the birds come and attack them. <laughs> Her, um, Lily's solution to the starling coming and attacking her was wearing a football helmet yeah so like, you'll all see- i can do is just protect yeah. myself <laughs> yeah so she would be out in the garden wearing a football helmet which i love the scene where they introduce it because the tree branch cuts her head off so you can't see it you can't see her head then- but you can see her body <laughs> but then the starling comes and attacks her but at the end the, uh, she's like, you grab two squash and get some carrots if you can, if you've got enough time. Yeah. And then they put right. the If you can reach the spinach, then grab some. Like, <laughs> I don't know why it was so... I honestly could not think of a better ending for the movie than for them to just, just be cohesive together, but then find mm-hmm. some kind of comedic turn to it. Yeah. And they didn't have another kid. They didn't, right. you know, they, they didn't go and try and, and like, into depth what happened to the child. They didn't, they didn't focus on that. And that, to me, was right. revolutionary, honestly. Right. It was the story about them healing. Right. right. More than it was the story about what the tragedy. their tragedy was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to mention. There was a scene I definitely want to talk about. Okay, what is it? <laughs> that that scene. So Jack had um after his run in with the medication of considering taking them to overdose. After that he had kind of straightened up and started taking the medication as prescribed Hmm. when they gave it to him he would take it actually he would swallow it and um there was a day like an event at the psychiatric ward that he was at right oh god and the so there were a bunch of kids visiting the parents that were there at least that's what i think it was and obviously the doctors and the nurses and the staff um, are all on the sidelines just kind of mediating things, making sure um, things are going Like well. chaperoning almost. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And Jack, Jack is sitting on a bench and he's kind of hesitant to even, like he does, it's hard. He doesn't have his kid there. But he's a kindergarten teacher. So he was like, I'm going to go for it. Like, I'm going to do this. And he goes and starts playing imagination with these kids and he's telling them okay well you're a lion and this is going to be a circus and he's making them feel comfortable and then he gets some parents involved he's like hey you come be an elephant and and this and that gathers a bunch of people and start playing and then what he was a lion and he ended up growling or something and it scared one of the little girls isn't that is that what yeah i think that I think that they were all, I think that it was like from the moment he got up and started playing with them, I think that they were a little bit awkward and then it just kind of continued, like progressively got more and more uncomfortable. And when he roared at her, she was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to play anymore. And 
it was just really heartbreaking and really sad because you can see he's like, it looks like he's just losing control of his like state of mind. And yeah. And then the people, the, the, the nurses and the doctors that come and get him and he punches Naveen or Devine Diggs. Is that his name? Devine? I know. Yeah. He put, he punches him in the face and he gets up. He's like, I'm all right. But like, they're like so appalled by it. I don't know what it is about people losing their sanity or at least the portrayal of their sanity. He wasn't, he was just trying to engage. Right. That's all he was right. doing. And for it to be portrayed that way, I have this like, I don't know what to call it, but I have this complex where I feel like everybody needs to be involved. If I'm in a room with 10 people, they are all engaged in conversation with me. They are all felt welcome. Mm. And for him to be isolated in that instance, it tore me to shit. Yeah. But that that was the scene. Like that that scene particularly sticks out to me because it was so horrible. I mm. think this movie. I think that there are reasons why this movie would turn off certain people, and I think that people who. I think there are some people who won't like the comedic aspects of it because it's such a right. tragic drama, and then there are jokes in it that are just legitimately like lighthearted, funny, like goofy yeah. moments that and some of them just are maybe like an opening to a scene. Some of them and some of them are actually written like literally in the middle of a heartfelt monologue. Like Chris O'Dowd's character, he's going off about how he's learning about this depression is like from himself and he quotes Borat and it and even though that may I... seem <laughs> And like, yeah, I think like, and as a as a movie watching it, you're like, that's like weird placement. But I feel like a real person would do that yeah. if that's their humor. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um. So I think like some people might not not like it for that. I thought that that was I thought that made it more realistic was bringing in that humor. Um, but I could see why some people would maybe be turned off by it if they aren't that kind of person to bring humor into tragedy in their life. Um, mm -hmm. And then on the other side, I think some people would be could be turned off by like it being too sad and too dramatic because then it right. could be like, oh, they're it's too just, real. Like, <laughs> Or, right, or it's, like, yeah. they're trying to be, or, like, oh, they're trying to be sad, like, or they're trying yeah. to be emotional. Some people just think having emotions is dumb, so they'll be, like, oh, it's a dumb movie because it makes you cry. <laughs> oh. Like, honestly, I feel like you aren't living life until you are able to have a good cry, have a good laugh, have a good fucking rage fit have, for two seconds, have like feel your emotions yeah feel it man like you get one life why are you why are you so hell-bent on staying such a straight arrow like life is hard and fun and great yeah. and shitty at the same time so it's like fucking ride the wave man live a little <laughs> ride the wave a little <laughs> whatever i i get so fucking annoyed by people who and i I gotta reserve myself. Mm -hmm. I just can't, like, I can't understand it. We'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyways, so that being said, for me personally, I am I know myself and I know I am an emotional person and so these yeah. kind of movies they suck me right in and yeah. I yeah. felt like they I thought this movie did a really good job of telling the story that it set out to tell and I think it did a good job in making you feel the way it wanted you to feel mm-hmm. regardless of certain things that happened in the movie that weren't necessarily like moving the plot along or right. maybe were a little cheesy, you know, mm-hmm. like the bird is CGI for the oh, whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I that's like, like that. uh, it could have like, I'm sure they could have shot, especially Scenes where the bird is just sitting on the branch. It could have just been a bird. But, you know, so certain choices, but who knows why they make those choices. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, I wasn't there on the production (laughs) team. So I would give this movie. I I think I would give it like a 6.5. Really? Yeah. Um. Because I think it was good and I think it was above average. Um, Mm -hmm. But there were were some parts that were just cheesy and, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Melissa McCarthy. Maybe a seven. No, you know what? I think it deserves a seven because Melissa McCarthy's acting and... Chris O'Dowd's acting was very good in it. Yeah. And Melissa McCarthy (laughs) has a tendency to be a little like, okay, I'm not on the dramatic side. You know, I've always known Melissa McCarthy for her humor, her comedy, but Mm -hmm. to see her in a semi-serious role, I think it was perfect to have her fit into the female role of not being the one that was so overcome by the tragedy. It it was a perfect like balance. I would it hit all the marks for me it had birds it it had it had birds vet. it had birds it had a vet in it uh a vet Melissa McCarthy <laughs> had a football helmet like I fucking all your 10 favorite thing for me I know right but a 10 out of 10 it was a 10 out of 10 for me I I was really looking forward to this movie when it was announced and I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be about miscarrying not mm-hmm. not about the child actually being like six months old when she passed so mm-hmm. but regardless it was it, it, oh i love to feel the emotion i love to cry <laughs> oh, i like I, it br- i braced it but one thing i do like is that this movie didn't let him die without learning his mistakes and yeah you know what i mean yeah like it made me think of how in uncut gems he just kind of is like oh died person and didn't the whole get time and then dies it. he like dies a bad person if this right. movie i would have been very very i would have been really really pissed at that character <sighs> if he had gone through with with trying to OD um, that second time because the fact that he stopped himself and caught himself and turned it around 
whether it's necessarily realistic, which I don't, I don't know if I, I don't right. know, right? If that right. is realistic, I hope it is. Um, right. But even if it is just more like positive storytelling, yeah, I'm glad that they're that they're showing that and they're showing people changing and turning yeah. their lives around to become better instead of instead of the idea of making the lesson be oh, look at this guy's tragic life and he died and those are the consequences, so don't do, don't be like him. It's saying, look at this guy who's made mistakes and turned around, you can be like him. Like, this is right. a character that you, like, you should try and be better. Not that you should try and be like him when he's being selfish, but you should try <laughs> right. and be like him getting better. <laughs> right. Right. And I think, I think having a psychiatric ward in involved in the storytelling right. was very uh very fitting for this day and age i think yeah. realizing it's normal realizing if you need help you get help and mm -hmm. that it's okay and it's a process it's an absolute process and it's okay if you go and just get checked out mm. And you need medication. If you need medication, that is normal. That is okay. Whatever you need to function in, in your life, fucking right. great A, dude. Like I right. I think it was I think it was so important to see that as well. Because And I think there was one more thing I wanted to say about the writing is that I felt they did a good job with uh revealing plot lines as you go um yeah. so that you're not like spoon fed what's happening right yeah i feel like they allude to the fact that their daughter died um in the beginning by the fact that she isn't home and her husband's in the ward and blah, blah, blah. But they never are like, oh, your daughter died. Right. The way that they actually reveal it to us is when the psychiatrist comes up to her and they're talking and then she says, have you done anything with Katie's things yet? And that's the line that tells us, that lets us know as an audience finally that, yes, it confirms that their daughter passed away. So... That's a natural conversation that would have would happen. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And that's that's just like a good example of yes. How to, you know, how you can how you can reveal part of a story in a conversation in dialogue between two characters that um you know. Mhm. Mm good point. That was yeah. Agreed. So I think the writers did a good job with with the storytelling in that particular sense. Um, Agreed. There were, yeah. So. I feel I'm like. Gonna, I'm going to def definitely round up to a seven. I think I was trying to be okay. critical, but I'll just give it a seven. <laughs> okay. I, ac I accept um, both answers. I feel like <laughs> your, your intuition is never wrong. I think sometimes I'm. I'm like, oh, I should give it a lower score. Sometimes I'm like, give it a higher score. Sometimes I just want to give things like a certain just to be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give it some but advice. Would I definitely say to someone to watch this movie? Yeah, it's 
it's worth it. And yeah. if if not for anything but just Melissa McCarthy's performance and watching her her portrayal of these emotions is just so good. Mm-hmm. And her her strength is just so inspiring in this movie. I thought mm-hmm. that she I th- I thought and think she is brilliant as an actress and I am so excited to see what she does next. I know. I And that's <laughs> And did that's you fact. know <laughs> that's fact. Did you know you can get Melissa McCarthy's voice to voice your Alexa? <laughs> you can? <laughs> yeah. But you gotta pay four ninety nine. Did you whisper so that if someone's listening to this, theirs doesn't go off. <laughs> yes, and so also mine won't. <laughs> yes. But when I was like... <laughs> when <laughs> when it said it was at $4.99, I was like, no! I don't want to pay $4.99. Oh, no. <laughs> but it's not a sponsor. It? We'll I see. Swear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So does that conclude... And that concludes our flick oh. for the night. So thank you guys for listening. Yes. We have a blast. We and, Let's see. Hold on. And if you would like to comment or talk to us or give us any suggestions, please feel free to comment down below or email us at clickandflickpodcast at gmail.com. That's click, A-N-D, flick, podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to spell out that and, folks. Yeah. There's no ampersand in our email. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we want to hear your suggestions. We want to hear yeah. what you guys want to hear us talk about. Um, Send it our way. Yeah. Let us know what you like. Mm-hmm. And we'll let and you know if we like it, too. I we hope you guys have a good week and we'll catch ya in the next episode. We will catch you on the flippity flip with the clickety mm. flick. That's not a good song. <laughs> <laughs>